We just had a guy come in and basically do a grab and run. When we went outside to confront him, he had a whole getaway car and and there was a gun involved. But like something like that is hard and could be kind of traumatizing. But it's just things like that you kind of have to deal with and you can't let something like that really slow you down. Hey, how's it going, everybody? This is Sean Ireton with the New Inspiration Extraordinary Gentleman podcast. I have a really awesome guest today. His name is Alex Portugal, and he is the owner of Alexander Robert Trading Company here in Uptown Whittier. Uh, thanks for coming on, Alex. No problem. Thank you for having me. For sure, man. So Alex and I met a few months ago, I feel like. Yeah, I would say like I don't know, four to six months ago. It was last year, definitely. Yeah, it was something like that. But um, my my lady actually found Alexander Robert on Instagram one day. She was scrolling through and, and found it. And uh, she's like, hey, this, this store looks really cool. You should go check it out and um, see if there's a business relationship there. And um, I was like, well, I don't know. What am I going to say? Like, what am I going to do? <laughs> Yeah. So I wasn't quite sure what to do about it. So I, I DM'd him and um, actually went into the store and started talking to him and turned out to be a really cool guy. And so we kind of created a friendship from there. Um, and Alex is originally from Chino Hills. Mm-hmm. He used to be a merchandise buyer for a fashion brand. And what brand was that again? It was a private brand, uh, but we more or less just did a lot of the merchandising for large mall companies. So like Hot Topic, Urban Outfitters, uh, YouTube creators, just things like that. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, he's also has been, uh, this is one thing that I found interesting about Alex when I first met him was that he's been a vocalist in a band mm-hmm. and they're called low love. And they, he, he's been a vocalist for them since 2008. Um, he's married to his wife, Stephanie, who's a local photographer and they have a beautiful Siberian Husky named olive. True. And, um, then he opened up his men's store, Alexander Robert Trading Company, in February on February fourth, two thousand seventeen. So, congrats again once once more on one year in business. Thank you so much. It means a lot. Absolutely. Um, so Alex is on the show to talk about his journey as a brand, as a retail store owner, and what it's like to run a brick and mortar menswear store. So thanks again for coming on, Alex. And uh, let's go ahead and get started. And tell me about yourself, man. Tell the listeners about your origin story. Cool. So uh, I'm 27 right now. Uh, but growing up, I always just kind of had this interest in uh, selling stuff and making money. And then that kind of just grew into uh, figuring out like what my passion was. So again, like you said, I played in a band uh, for a good eight years, uh, eight to 10 years. I was in like different bands growing up. But since 16, uh, I did music. And when things got more serious, we decided to go ahead and tour the country because we figured we can't just keep playing California all the time. (laughs) Yeah. So while we were touring, the only way that we were really able to make money was selling merchandise. So you get uh, money to play certain places and stuff, but that wasn't like cutting it for us because sometimes we would have drives that were uh, eight plus hours in between cities and states. So the only way you really made money uh, was again, selling your merchandise. So uh, our guitarist in the band, my videographer now, Diego and I, sat down and said, you know what, let's just try to up our merch game here on the road. Cause a lot of the bands, they would just try to print on the 
cheapest t-shirts with the cheapest print just so you know they could flip it for 10 bucks but uh we were like oh let's just push the envelope see what happens so we did a better quality t-shirt we did printed tags which was just absurd for some reason in that world when we did it and we just produced higher quality gar- garments, uh, hoodies, baseball jerseys, like windbreakers, stuff like that. And then we upped the price and we just said, you know, let's just see what happens. And we branded it and marketed it in a, cer- in a certain way and it just worked for us. So we were able to do that for about the last four years uh, that we were playing on the road. And uh, it made us a lot more money than we expected. So that was my full-time job was touring producing merchandise and then that's when i really realized like oh damn like i could make a lot of money doing this and <laughs> yeah. i've always liked clothing and stuff but to bring like fashion or like just you know just fashion forward stuff into the band world especially like the genre we were playing in it was like more metal like it was just like unheard of but we just went for it tried it and ended up working out it was disruptive which we always try to do and it worked out what were your margins on the on the screen printing process when you guys were making the merch So we going with the cheapest printer wasn't always the best and going with the most expensive printer again, wasn't the best for us. So we would usually like go through friends and, uh, I don't know, like a typical print could be $2. And then, you know, we were getting our t-shirts for like $2. Um, and we would have the friend would like hook it up with like the tag print. So again, it's just adding value to it. So we had something for $4, but we would sell our t-shirts for like 20. So just doing the math on that, I mean, it was huge. And how much how much merchandise did you sell, and and how much did that help you guys on the road? Um, anytime we did print something, whether it was like a t shirt, a hoodie, or hat, we would o- it would always be a minimum of like twenty four units, and maybe up to like sixty units. Uh, and if we went on tour for like thirty days, we would probably have to re up on everything like halfway through it. So, and then we we pushed an online store as well. Um, which helped us a lot. And we did all the shipping and packing ourselves too. So again, just trying to minimize cost by just putting in the work really. Yeah. So what was the, um, I'm curious about what it was like for you touring. Like where did you guys go and and what were some of the experiences that you had on the road? Uh, So we hit just about like, I'd say like 60 to 70% of the U.S. Um, Usually we'd start in like California and either kind of go up towards like the Tri-City area, like, and, and then just kind of like come across um, or you kind of just start going down. So you hit like Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, Florida. Then you go up like you're getting closer towards uh, the East Coast, like New York and stuff. And then just basically just do one diagonal cut across. That was always like the general route just because, you know, we, we didn't go to North Dakota because there wasn't like shows for us. <laughs> right, so right, right. you kind of just like hit this like weird triangle all the time, just going across up and then kind of diagonal back down and things like that but uh it was fun it was really like the merchandise is what made it fun i was the vocalist so we did a lot of the lyrics and um a lot of the music and everything was just very uh uh controversial i guess which is why it worked so we just kind of brought a different mentality and i feel image like to the forefront just because we were just a bunch of dudes that really like streetwear and stuff at the time and dressing nice so we were we kind of looked like this pretty boy band but like <laughs> we still kind of had like a tough vibe with our music but it worked we just we always tried doing stuff that was different uh we were signed to a label for a year and then realized everything that they were doing we could do so we bought back the rights uh to our first ep and then uh 
we just did everything ourselves. So even till this day, we still collect a royalty check because I guess there's still people out there listening to our early records. And then uh, when we first started, the band was called Destruction of a King. So later on is when we decided to change it to Low Love just so we could kind of re- rebrand and reposition ourselves. And what was the what was the idea behind Low Love? Why why did you guys arrive on that name? You know what? It just sounds cool. Destruction of a King was just like, we made that name when we were like 16. So like, it meant nothing. A lot of people would ask us, we're like, oh no, it sounds sick. Like, But with like low love, uh, I don't know. Just love is such a strong emotion. Uh, and then we don't necessarily write like the happiest lyrical content and music. So I don't know, just the word like low and then just kind of just adding that with like love. Like people can interpret it different ways, but you know, I don't know. It sounds cool. Yeah. Sometimes that's all it is. Like, oh, this sounds good. You right, know? right. Yeah, I mean, because when I hear Low Love, I just think about Soundgarden because of how similar it is to their their album mm-hmm. Loud Love. So, mm-hmm. um, what's the uh, what's the content of the of the audio like? What it, I mean, you say it's not the happiest. What kind of content is it? Well, so our first stuff was just really, as people would say, like heavy. So like, I always try to relate, like when people ask like, well, who do I know that you would sound like? So I would say like Slipknot, oh, okay, something like that. Like, uh, but with this stuff, we wanted to just kind of play a little bit more. I don't know. We just didn't want to play like heavy metal music anymore or like anything like that. So we just kind of wanted something where we could kind of start over. Um, I don't know. Our music, I guess, is it's still kind of a hard rock, but like normally I'm screaming in like our music. I want to be able to sing now. So that's like the direction we're going, but we're just really like taking our time with it. Stuff like that. Cool. So you guys are still actively working on stuff and in between slowly, but surely. Yeah. (laughs) That's cool, man. So, uh, after you started to sing and stuff like that and you started to get more into fashion, kind of where, where did that take you next? Um, so after we stopped touring and decided to kind of reposition ourselves as low love, we all got jobs just because we got older. So it was a little bit harder for us to tour. And then that's where I landed at my last job before I opened the store, which was primarily screen printing, but overall, like they could do anything dealing with merchandise. And again, they did work for mostly like hot topic and urban outfitters and YouTube creators and a lot of bands, uh, like uh, small, like smaller type of bands, but uh, like Vans Warp Tour. Like our goal was to print all the merchandise for like Vans Warp Tour and like stuff like that. And um, I learned a lot there. So I learned different uh, qualities of like t-shirt blanks, embroidery, different hat styles, accessories, uh, how to price stuff because we weren't the cheapest company. And one thing my boss always said, he's like, you know, we're not here to be the cheap company. We're here to be the best company. And that's something that I use in my business model. Um, but yeah, so there I learned everything and that was, yeah, I just soaked everything in and didn't even realize until November, 2016 that I was going to hundred percent pursue opening a store. Cause that all happened super fast. Right. And in one of the uh, podcast episodes from what's up Whittier, they were asking you about your journey a little bit and um, you were looking at a lot of streetwear and stuff like that. And, and how do you feel like that kind of influenced some of your, your decisions, your business? I think one thing I, uh, with, with streetwear um, again, it's such a vague loose term, but 
that's just what I grew up on. And, and I really liked the culture. And again, the marketing and branding behind it was, you know, they produced limited amounts of stuff. And if you had it, you were cool. So where I grew up in Chino Hills, a lot of the kids in high school didn't have that. You would either just get it at active or that was it. But there's uh, Fairfax in Los Angeles, which is kind of like the hub of streetwear. So my mom was cool and would take me down there and I was spoiled. And she bought me like every like few months or so she'd take me down there and like get me whatever I wanted. But they sold stuff that was exclusive to the Fairfax LA location. So I'd come back with clothes that nobody had. And it's still going on to this day. Like everything's in limited runs and there's limited edition stuff. So I just really liked that culture. Even though it was just a printed t-shirt, there's just, I don't know, there was just something about it that, and even to this day, like I don't really wear anything that's, you know, like I'm doing air quotes streetwear, <laughs> but uh, I still follow all the brands and stuff because there's, I just really like their business models and everything that they do. Right. Yeah. Like when you go into Alexander Robert, he's not wearing like a Supreme t-shirt or no, something no, like no. that. You know, <laughs> uh, that's funny that that's funny though, because, um, that's kind of similar to what I went through as a kid, but I was way less cool about it. It sounds like you were like really into streetwear and you were into the culture yeah. and all that kind of stuff. When I was a kid, my grandma would take me to Macy's and buy me uh-huh. nice clothes at Macy's that were like the cheesiest clothes for, like yeah. a youngster, you know, it was just, yeah. it was like uh, a little bit on the preppier side and it was uh-huh. more like, uh, not like nerd or anything like that, but it was just like, just the stuff that you would almost be embarrassed to wear. But at the same time, that was all the kids at my high school. So yeah. I, I kind of stood out like a sore thumb. Right. Yeah. So it's kind of funny to see that, how similar we are in that regard, just completely opposite ends of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, so after Fairfax and you're kind of getting into this whole streetwear thing, like wh- what kind of, what was the next step for you at that age? I would say it was figuring out exactly what, what I wanted to do. So I was still going to college here and there, dropped out for a little bit. But one thing that stood out to me about like figuring out what I wanted to do and going to college was a lot of my classes or just, I feel college in general is directed towards like entering that like corporate world and entry level job. And that wasn't me. That's not what I wanted to do. And I thought there was something wrong with me for not wanting that. Cause I still feel, or at least to my knowledge, I still wasn't surrounding myself with uh, a group of people that were entrepreneurs or just like create your own thing. You know, I, I knew I wanted to do that, but like, I remember that there was like a teacher like, Oh, you know, raise your hand if you want like to be the CEO VP, this like fancy term and like 90% of like the class, like raised their hands and stuff. And then somehow she got to me and I was like, well, I kind of want to create my own business and this and that. And she was telling me like, well, there's no job security with that. You know, how are you going to create a 401k? So I just remember feeling like, am I wrong for not wanting to do like the social norm of go to college, get the entry level job. And then you work your nine to five for the rest of your life till you're 55, you retire and you die. Like I was just, where you do the same thing every day for all those years. And that's when I just realized like, no, I want to like create my own thing. And my wife's an entrepreneur. She's a photographer and she was working some jobs here and there, but she wasn't happy. So she was the first one to kind of, uh, you know, take the path of just being self-employed and she had a huge influence on me. So that's where it kind of led where at my last job, I, I came to her first, like, you know, 
I want to open up a men's clothing store and I want to do it now. And when did, when did you and Steph meet? 2013 in April. Yeah. April, 2013. Okay. And when did you guys get married? We got married 2015. Cool. So you, you guys got, you guys got together and everything and she started to influence your decisions in becoming an entrepreneur and things like that. Um, what's, what's her role in, in Alexander Robert? Like how does she contribute to the, to the company? How do you guys work together? That kind of stuff. She's super honest with me. Like, and she's blunt. And that's why I like her because I'm super, I, I don't deal with like confrontation well or anything like that or just being like, I'm more direct now, I think because of her. So with doing the store, like if I was, if I told her like, you know what, we're going to bring, you know, X, Y, Z in, what do you think? She will say like, I think that's the worst thing that you can possibly do. <laughs> and why, and, and at the time, if I don't necessarily uh, think that it's just, I, I'll hear her out and be like, well, why do you think that? And then most she'll tell me. And then like, usually it's something I didn't really think about. Uh, there's been times where uh, I listen to her times where like, I don't um, as of right now, we're, we're uh, I'll get into that later, but just the future of Alexander Robert and, and her position. So she's taking on a bigger role like in uh, this year. So super excited about that. Very nice, man. Yeah. So at what point, did you know that you needed to open Alexander Robert? And what was the process behind deciding on that? Uh, November 2016, she had gone shopping at a store also in Uptown, just like a couple blocks down from me uh, at a women's store. And I was just sitting on like the guy's couch in there. And that's when I realized there was nowhere that guys can shop in Uptown. Um, aside from like a a t-shirt mart and stuff like that. Like I had to go to Brea or Cerritos to get to my nearest Nordstrom's or any store that has quality garments like that. So it was really just like, there's no men's clothing up here. I should do it. Cause if I don't do it, somebody else is going to do it before me and I'm going to regret it. So, uh, at the end of November of 2016 is when I brought it up to her and told her like, Hey, I kind of want to quit my job. And then just open up the open up a store in Uptown. And she was like, "All right." And I think she was expecting for me to like kind of plan it and uh, map it out. And uh, I was just like, "No, I want to like quit my job like in the next week and a half and just go for it, kind of a thing." So I did that, and she was scared, and I was scared, but I did that. And then uh, I didn't even have the building yet. I just quit my job and then just went like space hunting and. And just kind of went from there. It was really just learning as I go. Yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of how I ran my business and how I started it. It wasn't necessarily a, a plan either. And, you know, uh, my fiance is the, kind of the same way where she's like, aren't you going to like plan this out? Like, no, I think I can figure it out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sometimes, and that's I think I always tell people I think that's the hardest part in just going for it sometimes is actually just doing it. Yeah. And it stops people. Right. Like I get people that ask ask me about like tips or what I did to open a business, and then because they want to open a business, and I always ask them, I was like, "When are you going to open your business?" They're like, "Oh, I'm thinking in a few years," and then I ask why. And most like ninety percent of the time, they're like, "I don't know." It just sounds like a nice answer <laughs> to like say to the question because I don't know. And it's weird. It's weird how people like will just use time or like convenience as a or inconvenience as a reason as to why they can't right. start right now. Right. So I'm, I'm curious though, is that 
I mean, you opened up the store because you felt like there wasn't a men's store, like a really good men's store in Uptown Whittier. Mm-hmm. Is Alexander Robert just kind of a stepping stone for you in your career? Like, are you planning to do something beyond Alexander Robert where you're kind of using this as a way, as a learning process, as a way for you to expand your journey to to another level? When when I originally opened the store, I didn't really have any future plans other than, you know, this I want this to go well and then do like a second store and go from there. So the whole idea behind Alexander Robert is to provide premium essentials to the everyday gentleman, but I want to I want I want the blanks like the t-shirts and denim and everything to be the brand Alexander Robert. So uh originally when I opened, it was to create like a second location. Now it's kind of just turned into well, what else do I like like Alexander Robert doesn't have to be just clothing. So um, my wife had the idea to kind of make the store more of like a hybrid. So we're super into like uh, home good type of stuff and, you know, small furniture and things like that. So we're going to transition into like clothing and home goods. So just really trying to open ourselves up to a larger market. Um, I don't know crap like about (laughs) furniture and like she's always throwing these terms at me like mid-century modern and all this stuff and like i kind of have an idea what it is but like i still like really like the style of like i don't know just how people like compare like different furniture pieces and different rooms like i like that so that's where she comes into play and uh that's the position that's like where we're going to be going into the future at the same location too yeah. So uh, let's let's talk about like the um, process of creating Alexander Robert because that's one of the things that I really love about your story is is how things got started and in some of your vlog series, some of your vlog episodes, you were talking about the struggles and the challenges of opening up the store, getting a loan, and all that kind of stuff. So when we first started, because I hundred uh, percent was self-aware that I had no idea what I was doing. I had my buddy Diego uh, document trying to find the place to getting the keys to trying to figure out money all the way leading up to the grand opening. So when we first started, the first thing was just finding a space. And uh, I knew for I knew that was free. So I was like, all right, I can look at as many spaces as I want. And once we came to the one that we were currently at, uh, I was like, this is it. And I signed it, not realizing I have to start paying rent in a month. <laughs> so trying to figure out money, I don't know, like, getting a loan was just the first thing that popped in my head. I was like, well, that's what everyone does, right? You just get a business loan. And we went for that and it didn't work uh, for just obvious reasons because I didn't truly have a business yet. So there was no like credit or anything showing like you could trust this guy. Um, So that resulted into us just going for a business credit card. How did that shit make you feel though? Like getting denied for that? Like what was the feeling that you were getting at that moment when you get the call or the email and say, it was a phone yeah, call. Yeah. yeah. Like what did that feel like, dude, when you're on the phone with this, with the, the creditor or whatever, like yeah, the process was so long. Like it was like five days of calling people back and forth to like relay information. So in my head, I was like, Oh, I got this. It's just having to go through the motions of all these phone calls and answering these questions. So when they told me, no, uh, I just, when I think about it now, I remember being bummed, but not bummed in the sense where I was like, well, we have to give up now. Like there's nothing we can do. I just remember being bummed and just more so like, well, let me figure this out. And I really feel like a lot of the people around me were just like, there's nothing you can do. Like 
that's it. You don't have any money. Yeah, so. Give up. Yeah. Like, yeah. But I remember like being sad and bummed and that, but then just trying to figure out like, well, what's next. And then I just went from there. I called back the bank and was like, so if this doesn't work, then what do people do that come to you trying to like start a business? And they're like, Oh, well there's business credit cards. And I had to call them for, they didn't, they were just more so calling me like, you didn't get it. Thank you. Bye. And then they yeah. hung up. So I, right. Unless if I just gave up, that would have been it. I would have been stuck with a lease for two years paying on something because I w- didn't get any money or any, any sort of like starting capital. But uh, yeah, so I just called back and they're like, oh, well, you could do a business credit card. And I was like, no one told me that. So I went through that process and that worked and it's a lot less money, but it's a little bit of something. So it was just utilizing all the resources that I had. Right. And I remember in one of those, uh, those videos that you made, you were talking about selling your car. Did you actually go through with doing that? No, I didn't have to because the business credit card, I believe came after that. Okay. Um, I have a 2008 Honda civic. I'm running that <laughs> like into the ground right now. Like, uh, my wife has a Jeep. So like, that's like our car that like we use, right. uh, my, my civic just gets me to work. Um, but no, I was looking it up to see like what I was willing to do that. I, I live like less than 10 minutes away from where, from the, from the shop. So yeah, I was looking into that and I was ready to do that. Cause I would have figured it out. I don't know. I just like, yeah. it sounds so crazy, but like I would have figured it out, but I didn't have, I didn't have to do it. So, so after the, what was your, what was your next step after getting that uh, business credit card? It was just, let's start buying stuff and get, get the store moving. And then, uh, using like any savings that like I had, um, got the store painted, took out, did, uh, just uh, changed the store completely. Cause it was an off, it was like a office, like for plastic surgery. Like I think like on the low down, it was like a weird plastic surgery <laughs> place. Uh, yeah. but yeah, just did the inside, got, uh, merchandise. I did my research and picked out like what brands I wanted ahead of time. So that, that was pretty like easy for me. And, uh, there's the infamous first order that I ever placed was for some flannels and I ordered way too many. <laughs> and that's when I realized I was like, I don't need to do that. Cause I could always purchase, uh, flannels from this brand, you know? So I still have some of those flannels to this day in the store because I bought so many cause I was so excited that I, had some like money to play with. <laughs> how, yeah. many, how many flannels did you buy? Well, let me think. So there's like, there was probably like eight different styles, but I was buying like 24 units in each and didn't realize like the volume of like the size of my store with the volume of customers that come in, like that's way too many, wow. like way too many. And I was just buying anything and everything. Cause I was like, I don't know what people like. So you bought like 180 shirts or something like that. Yeah. Just flannels. Like, <laughs> yeah. So and again, even a year a year later, we still have. I we're down to the last six. Okay, so, so <laughs> they're on sale because they stopped making those styles now. Like they have different colorways now. So, but other than that, everything else, like we were smart. We're like, all right, let's start with twenty four. Kind of spread, uh, you know, apart all these skews and stuff like that. So that was funny. I'll be sad the day the last flannel sells. <laughs> Just sell it to yourself, uh, maybe. What. Oh, dude, you know what you could do is is buy the flannel yourself and then just frame it and put it in like a, a framed case or something like that. And then that you can hang that up on the wall and as like a instead of like your first dollar or whatever, it's just like 
first purchase order. <laughs> yeah, the first purchase order that they're I might do that actually. It, they'll, they'll be like, "Why is that framed?" You know, and then you can tell the story, and they're like, "That's cool." Yeah, I'm somehow good at coming up with sentimental ideas for things. Just I don't know why I have a knack for that. Works for me because I'm not. So it's been seven months since you made your video about what it costs to open up a shop, and it was about 38k. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Now going through everything that you've been through do you feel and you had to do it over again would you say that 38k was enough to get started do you think you could have done it with less or more or i believe i could have done it with less because there's the flannel order (laughs) and then just uh i think it could have been done like 25 i really think i could have made 25 work uh i don't regret spending that amount of money because I've still been figuring out along the way and been pushing out the product and, and going from there. But I do think it could have been done with less. I, you know, I've talked to other stores who started with 15 and, uh, but they have like a smaller space. So there's so many different things that like get factored into it, but I think it could have been done with less. I don't, I don't know how much less I want to say 25, but like, I don't know. I think, where where I started was okay. I've heard people starting like other retail shops spending a lot more. So I, I just figured like, this is fine. What's the, um, like, how do you know what to stock and when? Like, what is the process behind figuring out, okay, I need to have X amount of items in this, or I need to have Y amount of items in that. Like, how do you, how do you figure out what to buy based on customer demand? Like, so the first year is always hard because I don't know what's going to sell. So we barely have barely reached like our one year mark. So now we can kind of look back at the data and see what worked, what didn't work. Um, the basics always work for us. So that's something we always try to keep in stock, but then kind of, uh, mirroring like a streetwear business, you know, some stuff will do limited runs in and that confuses the hell out of people. And we would get like angry customers with that, but you know, we're just kind of like stuck to our guns. And like now, um, people know, like if we post something, you want it, get it now. So it's been going a lot smoother for us. So I still feel like I'm in the process of figuring out what works and what doesn't work. Cause even now we're taking the step forward into, uh, figuring out like private label stuff. So I still feel like things are going to change, but the basics sell. So we keep those in stock, uh, other items like button ups and stuff. Those do well accessories we always try to change stuff out like that's what's fun about accessories the cost on them isn't too much and it's an easy buy for people who maybe can't afford a jacket or don't want a t-shirt but just want to support the store so i feel like it's always different because i i can look up like google like statistics for like other retail stores but it's rep it's looking at like you know your macy's and your nordstrom's and like sears which is already a bad example to go (laughs) after because they're not doing so hot but like things like that so it's really just just kind of playing with it like we always keep socks in stock but like we try to change out the styles to give something people new to look at so you rely more on like data than you do kind of what your own personal taste is or is it just a good mixture of both i'd say it's a good mixture of both because something that i might love people hate at the store they just don't buy and there's been things that i didn't expect to sell and then they sold well so but then just with my luck i'm like all right i'm gonna bring in a bunch of these and then they don't move so i'm just like what the heck so i just kind of i just make sure with everything like no matter if it sells or doesn't sell like just keep moving forward you could do sale items you can 
you know, figure, figure out things like here and there. So I'm just sticking to what I know, what I know that sells. So, but, um, I really want to start minimizing the amount of like SKUs that we have. So we offer like a variety of colors of basic tees and I want to like cut it in half, if not like by 75% and just stick to like core colors. What's your goal with creating the Alexander Robert clothing brand? I know we've got the retail store and you've, you've got a, you've got this idea that you want to turn it into an actual brand. Like what's your vision behind that? I just, I've always just been the jeans and t-shirt guy. And if I'm not that, like just like a simple button up, but we're starting with just t-shirts. So for me growing up, I was super like self-conscious about my body and having like the right t-shirt was like key for me. Like, cause I was like chubbier. So I'd get like shirts that were really short on like my torso, but the sleeves were like huge, like, like wings or something. Then I get other ones that were like slimmer, but they were too thin. So for me, I, for whatever reason, really enjoy what I feel is the ideal t-shirt. So that's what I'm going to start just with like baby steps is bringing in some nice basic tops for guys, your t-shirts, maybe like some slub t-shirts, things like that. And then just kind of go from there and see what people like, what they don't like. And people ask like, well, what's like your number one goal with these t-shirts? I want people to be able to wash them and wear it again and again and again and again. I can't, I, so many items I would buy and like before the store and I'd love wearing them, but you wash it once or even twice and it's done. Like it looks horrible. Right. I just want stuff that's going to last. Yeah. And then it shrinks a lot too. Like just, yeah, that's crazy. So our t-shirts have uh, a little bit more length than the average t-shirt, but it's because, you know, when you dry it and shrink it, it'll be just that right amount of length. And we still get people that are like, oh, they're kind of long, but that's once in a blue moon. Most everyone's like, these fit perfect. Because uh, even before we started the story, I asked people like, what's like some of the t-shirt problems and everyone, they shrink too much, this and that. And then I understand that they shrink too much, but is it, is, is shrinking the problem or is it really like it's the length or like the sleeves get messed up? So, cause a lot of guys, don't want their shirt to hit right at their belt. You know, they want just a little bit more length. So I would kind of break down like, oh, if it, if your shirt just had a little more length, is that okay? And they're like, yeah, that's what the problem yeah. is. So. What's your, what's your like, um, what are the most common experiences that you have in the store when a customer walks in? Like what's, uh, what's kind of one of the weirdest encounters and then what's one of the like better encounters that you've had when somebody was wanting to buy something or looking around for clothes? Weird encounters, but I've been this guy too, is people that come in and uh, it's kind of, there's going to be like a mix of just people, but people that come in and I say, hello, how are you doing today? And the first thing they say back is I'm just looking. So they automatically feel I'm trying to sell them. And I think a lot of us, because we all grew up like going to malls and stuff like that's what we're used to is someone just trying to sell us something. The last thing I want to do is force a sale on someone just so I can make a dollar because they're not going to come back after that. They're going to be like, I need a shirt, but I don't want to go to that store because they just hound you the whole time. Like I hated that. Um, a lot of people get shy about saying that they're not going to buy something. So like, I'll get customers that come and try on a shirt or jeans and they'll, they're like, I like this. This is nice. But I, and I'm doing air quotes, forgot my wallet. So I'll be right back and I'm going to come back and buy this. And I said, okay, every single time, except there's one customer that always does that every single time though, they never come back and do it. And I just had that yesterday with like 
a middle-aged guy and usually younger guys do it a lot but like it was like a middle-aged guy and he tried on the jeans and walked around he's like these are great like this and that and he was like perfect i work down the street at, at the nixon building which is just a block and a half down and he's like i'll be right back and i was like i think he's gonna come back and he didn't come back i should have known <laughs> like they never come back when they say that and then other than that i get i get customers that complain about uh pricing um again my store isn't the cheapest store and we, we didn't we didn't want to be that so we get some people like i can get this at walmart or you know like don't you think this is a little high like how can you sell something this expensive here in whittier um i, I just ignore those people yeah. though i mean you're comparing walmart to a boutique yeah like it's like like the like sometimes people just get the idea in their head that they can go to a big box retailer like walmart and find the same item that you have for fifteen dollars mm-hmm. instead of eighty right and uh, they yeah. just, people just don't, a lot of people don't realize that there's a lot more time and effort. And there's also a lot of different variables that come into play with buying at a local boutique. I mean, you're also supporting local business too. What's your biggest challenge right now with your business? Like what's something that you're going through right now that you did not anticipate at all? I mean, a lot, there's a lot of things you didn't anticipate, but like, is there something right now that's happening? That's, um, really, really difficult. Uh, I'm located in a spot where there isn't a lot of foot traffic and I love uptown to death, but we're also in a spot that isn't as established of a shopping area as like your downtown Pasadena or like third street promenade, things like that. So that hurts us a lot. So our, our branding and like marketing stuff like has to be really strong because if someone's coming into our store it's it's mostly because they drove there or intentionally walked there and we're two blocks away from the busiest part but even that area doesn't necessarily mean that they're all customers but they take the time to walk through our door so location is a little like where we're located at makes it really hard for us and then uh money is always hard in the sense of managing it because you never know if you're going to have a good week or a bad week or a good day or a bad day as far as like sales and stuff. So everyone always asks like, Oh, what day is the busiest for you? And it's, Oh, I can never really answer it because everything changes it as to whether what month it is during the year. Like January is just slow the whole time. If there's holidays coming up, even if it's cloudy, people don't come out because we're, we live here in California and people like freak out like, <laughs> yeah. oh no, it's going to rain. We can't do it. If it rains, oddly enough, we get people. Like the last time it rained like a couple of weeks ago, we we still had like customers and stuff. So I would say just figuring out like what to buy and when to buy and how much to buy is really hard to figure out still to this day. So, and I always make it a point to not compare myself to uh, other shops and things like that. Cause like, I was like, they have product coming in all the time. It doesn't necessarily mean it's moving. Right. I mean, I know perception is reality and anyone could post anything on Instagram to make it look a certain way, but I just try to keep to myself. But the, the, those have been like the harder things just where we're located um, and just figuring out what and how much to buy and at what, yeah. And at what time. Is there any like personal challenges that can disrupt 
how how you're running the business and like how, how do you how would you kind of look at these personal challenges like i know recently you you found out your dog has cancer and stuff like that like right. how how do some of these personal challenges impact your business and how you how you successfully run it i've really put my face behind uh the the branding of the store so when like personal life comes up i'm super transparent and say I can't make it today, you know, for X, Y, Z, maybe we don't have an employee that can make it that day, but we'll say something and put it out there in the open for people to know. But, you know, we made the decision to, to do that, like with the business. So, you know, when that did happen, we said, we're not gonna be able to open today because of this. Everyone is cool with it. And if anyone ever even did like message us and wasn't cool with it, like that's not the customer I want to have. So I'm not even worried about it. Yeah. yeah it's, just, I mean, I do what I have to do and I'll tell people I'm not going to like sugarcoat it in any way. So how did people respond to the, the, the robbery? Uh, by the way, to, to the listeners, Alex got robbed uh, a, a few months yeah. ago or a couple months ago, pretty fresh still. Um, and Alex yeah. tell that story, but it's pretty crazy what happened. We just had a guy come in and basically do a grab and run. So just grab product and leave. And then, uh, when we went outside to confront him, he had a whole getaway car and, and there was a gun involved, but like something like that, we never expected to like ever have anything like that happen. Like that, that's never been like, Oh, we also have to worry about like robbery or like a burglary or just shoplifting in general. And it's not the first time someone's like shoplifted from us. I mean, that that's like the most like extreme case we've ever had, but with things like that, like all you could do, like, Whittier is very like community based. So we just reached out to the community like, yo, this happened. They took, you know, X amount of money, which hurts us because it's essentially somebody taking like our paycheck and, you know, some of our rent. So it's just like, we, we just said like, you know what, let's just turn it into a positive. We're going to run a sale, help us out if you can to kind of just make up what was taken. And the community came together and, and helped us out a lot, which was like, great. And, uh, yeah, it's just things like that you kind of have to deal with and you can't let something like that really slow you down and it's hard and could be kind of traumatizing, but at the same time you can't just let one person or one incident like slow you yeah. down. You have like no control over it. So but other than that, I mean, we're always just doing something to just press forward like from any little hurdle that yeah, comes up. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so that's um just to say like for the for the listeners, um Whittier is not a bad place. So the, the mm-hmm. fact that he got robbed does not make Uptown Whittier a bad place. So agree. definitely need to visit Uptown Whittier if you haven't before. But, um, but yeah, so with, with all that said, I want to kind of talk about just a few things that people, if planning to open up a brick and mortar retail store, um, either if it's like Alexander Robert or something different, um, I just kind of want to talk about a couple things that you think would be based on your experiences, what they should be anticipating uh, in that journey of opening a retail store. I would say if you save money, like if you have intentions of doing this anytime soon, like save as much money as possible and then give it a shot and try to apply for a business loan. If not, go for a business credit card. You can reach out to family and friends and be like, Hey man, this is what I'm trying to do. Um, not so much get an investor with it, but friends and family will always like, here, here's some money, especially if you present it to them. Like, this is what I'm trying to do. If you can help me in any way, like, you know, I'll give you uh, X, Y, Z, like in return, this and that. And uh, 
one thing that we did to raise money is I knew t-shirts. So we printed a t-shirt and we sold that. And we said, we are selling this t-shirt to raise money to open the store. So I'm providing something to people. I'm not just like asking for a handout. So there's things you can do um, to raise money. Aside from that, even if you know you're not going to open your business for another six months, like go look at spaces. It costs $0 and it just kind of gets your feet wet to go and see what it's like to look at a blank room and try to envision something. Then you could ask questions, you know, can we paint the walls? Can we take down walls? Can we put up walls? Can we do this to the ceiling and lighting? Things like that. And then just do your research. Look at the brands or, or the product that you want to carry in your store and reach out to them. And most of these smaller brands um, are cool where you can say, hey, I'm going to open up a store in like six months and stuff. I'd love to carry you. Uh, you know, what information do you require for me to get started? And I did that. And uh, some brands kind of said, well, we need photos of your store. We need to know this, need to know that. And I use that as a template of like, okay, let me hit all these things like, and and go from there. Other than that, I think it's hard to go into small business with the sole intention of I'm going to do this so I can get rich. I love clothing. Like I love the idea of having my own store and talking to people and selling clothes and making people happy. I didn't go into this thinking I'm going to be rich. So if, if it happens along the way where I can make money and I'm comfortable, great. I'm making money like with my passion stuff. I do think it's very possible. And I do think I'll get to that point one day, but I also genuinely love clothing and just the atmosphere of having like a brick and mortar. Also, you can expect your store to be busy 24 seven. There is a lot, a lot of downtime where no one's coming in. Right. Yeah, exactly. And then also have two ways to, to sell the clothes too, because Mm -hmm. Alex has uh, e-commerce. So there's people who Mm -hmm. may not come to Whittier or they find out about Alexander Robert, they can still buy his clothes online, ship it to people. So, um, you know, those kinds of things, use those assets, use the knowledge that Alex has to, to open up that store successfully and don't be afraid, jump right in, go after it. I mean, as, as business owners, we both know what that's like. I got fired from my last job and, um, it was something that was a blessing to me. I, I got let go from a company when I was doing web design and I already had one foot out the door. I knew what it was like to just not enjoy my job and you know they let me go and uh but it was the best thing that ever happened to me helped me focus on my business so if you're ever thinking about opening a business if you're opening up a retail shop do like what alex and i did and just go for it don't hesitate just yeah just do your best and make it happen reach out to people who yeah talk to everyone yeah you possibly can right even if you're trying to open up a clothing store go talk to a small business coffee shop just talk to people yeah 100 percent for sure um cool so to wrap things up here alex where are the some of the best places that people can contact you uh, in case they have those kinds of questions or they just want to be in touch with you always say to go to my instagram i'm most active on there so you can just search alexander robert and i'll pop up or you can type the whole name alexander robert trading co and our handle is shop alexander robert and you can send me a dm leave a comment uh i'm pretty good at getting back to everybody but that's the best way and then we have our website alexanderroberttrading.co because we're creative like that (laughs) without the dot com and uh those are the two best ways sorry that was my dog (laughs) and uh but yeah instagram is always like key okay cool 
Um, and Alexander Robert, if you guys ever come to Uptown Whittier, California in the SoCal area, uh, it's located at 13117 Philadelphia Street in Whittier, California, 90601. Stop by and tell Alex hello and um, tell him I said hello too. And so I want to end it on two things here. I wanted to acknowledge you, Alex, for being probably one of the coolest dudes that I've ever met down here in LA. You're probably uh, one of the first few people that I've uh, made friends with since I moved down here. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, and uh, just a really cool guy. Um, we're not super close by any means, but you know, we're, we're really, really good dudes and you know, we really care about what each other's doing and we support each other. So I want to acknowledge you for all that. And, and uh, acknowledge you for what you're doing with your business, what you're doing for Uptown Whittier, how involved in the community you are. And, um, you know, you've got really cool marketing efforts, doing a lot of really cool stuff. You're how transparent you are and how um, down to earth you are about things. You're not standoffish at all. You're not not a douchebag or anything like that. <laughs> so being able to reach out to somebody and, and have somebody be cool like that when you want to just get to know what they're doing and, and, and about their business, especially as a store owner, you can't be an asshole. So um, I, I, wanna, I just wanted to say thank you for all that, man, and, and your time today and, and doing this podcast episode with me. Um, and uh, I want to end it on this question. What is your image saying about you today? I feel what my image is saying i'm confident approachable and that's what, i don't know i feel like that confident and approachable i'm comfortable in what i'm wearing i'm not trying to be somebody else so i'm confident approachable and i'm self-aware there we go awesome yeah cool thank you so much for being on the show alex until next time brother peace Thank you guys so much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of the New Inspiration Extraordinary Gentleman podcast. If you enjoyed the content, give it a like, subscribe, and if you know someone who needs to hear this or wants to hear this, share it with them. Don't hold back. Let them hear it. And if you have any questions for me or my guest, we'd love to answer those questions for you. So shoot me a tweet, DM me on Instagram, leave a comment below on YouTube, or find me on Facebook. If you have Anchor FM, you can message me on my station. The username is at New Inspiration, N-U-I-N-S-P-I-R-A-T-I-O-N. And as always, make the rest of today extraordinary, gentlemen.